Welcome to Frequent Flyer here. It is Friday, January 6, 2023. Tony D'Angelo Day for those that celebrate. And, uh, well, the World Juniors are officially over. And that means Chuck Fletcher's seat is back getting hot again. Or at least theoretically, supposedly. Rumor has it. But the Chuck Fletcher seat's not the only thing getting hot. The Flyers have uh, won a couple games in a row here. What are they at? Four now? Five? Four? Wow. Four in a row. Four in a row against three of the worst teams in the league. What a fucking accomplishment. Kevin Hayes is your all-star, not Konechny. That warms my soul. I'm so happy. And, uh, yeah, got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. And to uh, help me do that, my co-host are back, Mike Aceto. Mike, how's it going? Oh, fantastic. Great to be with you, gentlemen. As always, looking forward to a riveting Flyers discussion tonight, as we always do. And Manny Benavidez is back. Manny, what's up? Salutations and greetings. Happy New Year to both of you gents and to all the people listening. 2022 is come and gone, just like the Philadelphia Fusion going away to Seoul, South Korea. Good job, Dave Scott. <laughs> A very another logical feather, move. <laughs> another feather in your cap. Weren't they just about to build a fucking arena in one of the parking lots for the uh, Fusion? Wasn't that the plan before COVID? What the hell happened? Now they're moving to Korea? Yeah, it'll probably like a billion dollar <laughs> facility for, you know, video gamers, you know, to treat all the carpal tunnel in their fingers and in their wrists and all that, the button mashing. Yeah, I don't know. We, we need a MLG expert on this show. Is that what the league it is? It doesn't fucking matter. Who cares? But, uh, yeah, they're gone. The Flyers are winning some games. I uh, We are talking before we went on here. I have not watched a game since uh, the Columbus game before Christmas, and... You know, Shane and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but there's always a reason why I force myself to do as many shows and articles and, and stuff and force myself to watch the games every night. Because I know the second that I stop, given the state of this team, it's going to be real hard to go back. And, you know, it's been two and a half, almost three weeks. And you know what? I don't miss it, man. I don't miss it one bit. The, 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 you know, the, the, the nightly hell that is watching this team. And yeah, they're winning some games against, you know, the half a dozen teams worse than they are. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. In that, that, you know, I, I just feel like so much of this season is already kind of understood. And going into the year, the plan was stabilization, quote unquote. That is after giving up on the aggressive retool because they're a bunch of fucking idiots in the front office. But, uh, I feel like in a sense, a lot of the questions going into this year have been answered. You know, we know John Tortorella is very good. He's got this team back on a very reasonable path. A lot of the guys that were question marks, you know, the tweeners, the Allison and Lazinski and players like that, we know kind of where they're at. They're probably NHLers, but not top six guys. And, you know, I just feel like a lot of what was set out to learn this year has been learned. And the next half of the season here, however many games they have left, at least half the season... 
I, I just feel like, meh, it's just the, 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 you know, the monotony of sitting down and watching this middle-of-the-pack team be a middle-of-the-fucking-pack team, you know? I, I just, eh, it is what it is. I feel like we've learned everything there is to learn about the Flyers this season, and right now it's more about what happens in the 2023 offseason than it is about the night-to-night results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree, Dan. I think that a lot of the evaluation right now is kind of on a on a micro level, game to game, so to speak, where, you know, I guess the next question to answer here is, you know, how have they done it with this winning streak? What's working? What's not working? And and to me, it seems like a lot of these teams are almost sleepwalking through these games. You know, as you mentioned, the Flyers have played some some very poor opponents over the past two weeks here. Um, and while they've played well and they've accumulated wins in those games, you know, I've watched about half of them simply because they're on at one o'clock in the morning or so with the West coast games, but, um, you know, they're playing hard and I think you're right. They've, their mission is virtually accomplished here. They are in games, they are competitive and we're getting some clarification on, some of the young players. And, you know, as we've mentioned before, it's a, it's a very low standard. I, I can't imagine wasting an entire season just to know that, especially when most of these guys' ceilings are middle sixers at very best. It's a gigantic waste of time. You shouldn't put yourself in the situation. But, yeah, I think they're pretty much – we've answered a lot of the questions that they sought out to answer. Well, thank goodness that Mike and I are here to fill you in, Dan. <laughs> so on their West Coast swing – Here's what happened. Yeah. They try. They're in games. They play as well as they can. John Tortorell squeezes blood from a stone. Um, If they get behind early in games or down a goal or two or even three, they come back. And uh, that's about it. It's the same story. Same thing we were talking about since October. Yeah. It's the exact same thing the entire season. And. I know that there's people out there on Twitter that are getting mad that I say this, but the season is a colossal waste of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, people hate it, but legitimately, like, where are you supposed to go from here? And and I guess we'll talk about um, Bedard and the World Juniors later. But that's the thing that I think that some people get lost on here of the more established Flyer fans is, well, you're not supposed to tank. And I get that. I totally do understand that you want to be competitive and to try to win games. And these players want to win games at the same token. We're going to enter next season with minimal roster changes. Yes. They're going to try to trade JVR and okay. There's going to be like Justin Braun and some of these other, you know, Patrick Brown. (laughs) Yeah. These Looney tunes cast the characters that, that we've got, but what are they going to get in the off season? How much cap space are they going to have? The the answer is not very much. Not enough to do anything, yeah. So really, you're banking on, you know, Morgan Frost taking another step. You're banking on, you know... Forrester, Gauthier, Desnoyers. Right. And I mean, how much more can you really expect out of, you know, all-star Kevin Hayes, um, not all-star Travis Konechny, um, and everybody else on this roster? I don't know, uh, but the game changer would be if you get that top two or three kind of pick that really changes the outlook and the trajectory. And you might not need to go out and grab guys in free agency, but I don't know. I'm just wondering about what this team's going to look like next season and how much more, you know, John Torrell will be able to squeeze out of this group, 
before it starts to get a little bit stale. And then players start to ask, why am I continuing to do this? Because, listen, let's face it, three years in, or I mean, I know next year is two years, but it's going to start to wear on some of these guys if they don't overturn the roster a little bit. And I'm just wondering what the end game is here. You know, we sat here, I mean, for months at this point and say they're going to finish in the 7 to 10 range. And if the season ended today, they're drafting 7th. You know, they're, 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 they're too good to completely fail and nowhere near good enough to succeed. And Tortorella was talking about this after whoever the hell they played last night, the Arizona game. He's like, oh, you know, we're the underdogs and we're going there and, you know, we're going to prove people wrong in this shit. And I'm like, listen, if they won enough games earlier in the year where a hot streak could propel them into the playoff picture, okay, great. You know what? Let's go on a fucking hot streak and let's do something this year. But the reality is, I mean, they're what? Uh, what is the second wild card spot at these days? Let's see, let's see. Uh, Washington has it with uh, 50 points, it looks like. And the Flyers have uh, 37. <laughs> they're not making That's the fucking playoffs. It's not close. You know, at this point in the year, with half the year left, they've 39 games played, so almost half. You know, they're not going to make the playoffs, and now they've put themselves far enough away where they're certainly not going to finish at least bottom three. You know, you can maybe squeeze four or five out if they really suck here over the next few months. But they're draft seven to ten, some random fucking dude. And as Manny alluded to, you know, their their hands are kind of tied when it comes to moving money. Essentially, you're going to get rid of Patrick Brown and JVR, and you're going to promote Forrester and Danoye, right? Like, that's that's your offseason. Maybe Cutter Gauthier shows up next year. Um, that's it, you know? And then you're going to run it back with the exact same team, more or less, you know, trying to sell everyone on, on Gautier. And if he shows up and he's not a star, which we've seen with every single draft pick since Hextall took over in 2014, you know, then we're just screwed. You're just going to piss away a full another year beyond this one. And I don't know, man. Like, that, 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 that's where I lose hope. It is just, there's no, there's no way out of the current hell that they've worked themselves into with this. And... You know, drafting seventh overall, even in this deep draft, it's not good enough. And you're <coughs> probably not going to win the lottery at that point. So, you know, I don't know. It's uh, We shall see, I guess. Well, one of the dangers in terms of what's happening now is the Flyers have, they have been in, I mean, if you look at, you know, the past couple of weeks, they have been in virtually every game. They are losing by only a goal or two at the end of games, if they are at all. And they've had their best West Coast trip in over the holiday history. breaks. Yeah, yeah. In, in years, basically. So the fear here is that the insides of the organization will overvalue what's going on right now. And there's other factors here. As we mentioned, they're playing atrocious competition. Um, they are certainly getting a lot of their guys to buy into the Tortorella system. They're getting the first year bump from a veteran head coach. Plus it's torts who squeezes a little bit extra out anyway. And you put all that into the blender and you get a team that has a lot better details. that doesn't get blown out. Um, and has some guys probably playing a little bit above their heads right now as well, because they're kind of playing in a system where it's like, well, if it's not me, it's nobody else. And they're kind of assuming that responsibility and and kind of establishing an identity, so to speak, which I guess is a good thing. But is it really that good when you look at it on a long term basis? 
I think the answer may be no, because they've built this thing backwards. And as we've mentioned time and time again, their ceiling just isn't there. You know, the ceiling is going to be an average team at absolute best if all of these guys really hit. And they're going to be absent that entire first line, basically, and an, almost an entire first pair on defense as well. And, you know, that that just can't win in this league unless you strike lightning in a bottle, which seems to be the model that they're going after. Yeah, and then you kind of look at, I think Flyer fans are looking at it way too closely where they're going game by game and they're just enjoying the fact that this team is really trying and working their tails off. And that's great. And it's good to establish a culture because you don't want guys to grow up in a losing environment. I get all that. But this isn't a regular draft. If you watched Connor Bedard weave his magic in some of those games and the way that players on Canada and as much as the Canadian team was really talented and skilled, they were all giving him the puck. They were like, here, we know you can dance through three guys here. Take it, do the zone entry, go. And he won that Slovakia game in the quarterfinal brilliantly. He played well again against the American team. He didn't, you know, star stud everything. I thought, I thought the, the uh, Logan Cooley was, and Luke Hughes were the best mm-hmm. guys on the ice actually. But, um, you can see that this is not a regular first overall draft pick. And if this was a regular season where it was, you know, Joe Blow is going to be the first overall pick, I totally get the argument of the culture is more important to establish. But this is a generational guy. This is a guy that we're probably not going to see for at least another decade plus. And you can't squander opportunities like that. I, I know that winning's important, but I'd rather take this one year of it not really meaning too much because it's a throwaway season anyway. And then you go into next season and then you can really grow with a Bedard and then with all these young guys and establish that culture with this key piece, this foundational piece. That's really how you grow this thing forward. I still don't know where they're going to be getting this top line talent from, especially if Cutter Goche doesn't turn out to be a first line player. Yeah, I don't know. Where do you guys think in terms of a lot of the younger players right now, do you think that we've seen who's at their ceiling at this point, at least with this team? Are there any younger players on the roster right now that we think can get, can get even better? I mean, realistically, obviously the flyers think all of them are, you know, pure gold, but objectively looking at this, who on this roster do we think can actually take more steps forward? Is Morgan Frost to become a legit second line or first line center? I'm probably not. <laughs> I think Tippett um, could succeed with more star power around him. I think the guy oozes potential and he's just kind of by himself more often than not. And I think if they were a little more lenient with Wade Allison overall, I think you may get more out of him. But Frost is just a dude. You know, he racks up points against the Coyotes and almost exclusively against the Coyotes. You know, it's just. It's there, and, you know, Konechny's having a hot season, but we're seven years into his fucking career. You know, we know what he is. We know what all the veteran players are. JVR, I don't even know what the hell he's been doing the last couple of weeks. Like, I think Tippett is your best bet for any kind of... St- and even then, he's probably taps out at a second liner, you know? Like, none of these are, are legit top guys in the system. And, you know, Forster, I really like Forster, but the fact that he's not producing points 
regularly by himself yet worries me because it kind of limits his ceiling. Denoyer is good, but I think he's like a really good three, uh, three C maybe. Lexel reminds me more of Michael Roffle, you know, in the sense of a good, you know, depth winger with a high end scoring upside, I guess. But I, I don't know if you've got any internal here, and you got Gautier who they're forcing to play center in college, but every single time there's something of necessity, anytime there's a critical situation, he's playing on the fucking wing because that's where he's best served, you know. So, I don't know. You know, maybe Gautier is probably is going to be the best of the bunch, but where his ceiling ultimately falls is going to be, um, you know, the big question. And if they don't provide the necessary talent to surround him with, you're just going to fucking waste the guy like they have everybody else anyway. I would say Cam York in, in that scenario too. I think that there's a lot more to come from him. And then the the, the big one is Sam Urson. Like I, I, I'm seeing all this chatter and people are raving about Samuel Urson. And I think people are forgetting that he's only played a handful of games in the NHL. I, I don't think Four. we should I don't think we should coronate him as, you know, the second coming yet. It's wild how quickly people are diving into that one. You know, we, we talked about a little about this on Flyers AD, and I'm like, this is a problem, like, next summer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not not now after four games. Like, yeah, he's been very good, but, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the charm kind of comes and goes with Carter Hart and what he was at the beginning of the year. Everybody was on board, and now he's kind of fallen back to earth. Again, mainly thanks to the team around him. Um, I don't think people are you know, quite as diehard with the guy as they once were, and Urson comes in and has had a very good couple games, and they're ready to move on here, but... You know, I, I, I'm glad he's playing well. I would assume... Now, Ur- Sonstrom is down on conditioning, but Urson is the one who is waiver-exempt. So, mm-hmm. Sonstrom's only played twice since American Thanksgiving, by the way. His most recent on December 13th. So that's why he's on conditioning, because he was, then he had the illness around Christmas there, um, which led to Urson's recall in the first place. Um, so, it, you know, I, I think he's very good. I've always enjoyed what Urson's done in the AHL, and ever since he got called up, the Phantoms have been a fucking disaster since he's not there to, to save them. Um, so I, I do think in time this will be a discussion. But yeah, I, I'm surprised as well as how many people already, after a, th- a few games, are ready to coronate this guy the starter and push Art out of the picture already. It's wild. What was the situation over the holiday break? Um, well, Flyers are playing, obviously. But what was the situation with Carter Hart going on injured reserve with a mild concussion and then immediately going out onto the ice and then inexplicably going on the road trip with the team when he was back on IR again? And then the coach saying he was going to start, uh, I think it was the San Jose or the L.A. game, and then he didn't start that game. Why even send him on the road trip? I, I don't understand what happened there, and I think that there's a lot of bad communication going on in the organization about who's injured to what extent and why, which is certainly par for the course. <laughs> I actually don't think that situation was quite as newsworthy as it got painted out to be. Um, I don't think Hart was 100%. It was probably still recovering from the concussion, but was good to go. And because Urson was playing so well, I don't think they felt the need to start Hart on that road trip. Why he was practicing when he just got put on IR, that one I'm not sure about. Uh, again, he was probably not injured. It may have just been a financial thing as well. They may have had to put him on IR financially to call Urson up in the first place. Um, mm. You know, I, I, I saw a lot of reactions to that one, and, and it's one of those things where... 
I almost, I, I, hmm, my gimmick. I didn't not understand like it. Yeah, I, and it was kind of murky. And I think the communication, as you noted, was probably the biggest problem there. But I don't think there was necessarily medical malpractice on that one as much as it was there was a bunch of paper moves that needed to get done, uh, both for his clearance and the salary cap to kind of work everything out there. And Urson's emergence on the road said, ah, why force this guy to start if he doesn't have to? My guess is that's probably what happened. I don't know if this was, you know, them uh, rushing Derek Broussard back only for him to get hurt, you know, 30 minutes into the next game like they had last year. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know uh, all the ins and outs in that one, but I do not feel like this was... um, Overly critical, you know, uh, as that uh, as noteworthy as it became. I feel like they may have brought Hart on the road trip just to like kind of keep him with the team, um, because like he's their starter, and you know, kind of give him the sense that he belongs, and he's not just going to sit in Philadelphia for ten days by himself, that sort of thing. I don't know if that's true or not, but I kind of feel like that may have been one of the motivations to bring him along, even though he probably had no intent of actually playing or Tortorella seemingly didn't have any intent of playing him. I don't know. Did Sonstrom travel with the team or was he still out with illness until, you know, a couple days ago? I don't know. See, I don't, I don't know the state of him either. I don't, he wasn't illness. That's what they said. Um, so, you know, maybe he wasn't, uh, Mm -hmm. on that road and good to go yet. And that's ultimately why I got sent down. I don't know if he's playing tonight. I know the phantoms are, I don't know if he is. I can look that up real quick, but. Mm -hmm. Oh, you mean Ursan or, uh, uh, Sonstrom. Sonstrom. Is he down with the Phantoms on like a on rehab? <laughs> He's on or something uh, now. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So that probably expires know. fairly soon. Then. And then there's and only then we'll a certain see. time limit. He can be down there on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm looking. So we'll it. see a swap with Urson most likely. I mean, Urson looked pretty good. I mean, I didn't watch a lot of the West Coast games, like I mentioned, but I did see some, and he looked pretty good in net. Um, they're playing some good defense. They're playing shitty teams, but he did a nice job when he was in there for sure. And I don't know if, if this is the kind of coach that wants to ride the hot hand or, you know, but I am intrigued to see how Urson can potentially handle the NHL on a long-term basis. He's seems to have been the most consistent prospect the Flyers have had in net, you know, sans Carter Hart, but yeah. all the others have, have had a lot of hiccups along the way, whether it's, you know, some ups and downs in play, severe injuries with the Sonstrom who had what some stomach flu that kept him out or stomach surgery He's back in tonight. Europe. Um, okay. He has a 947 save percentage, one goal on 18 shots, a little halfway through the game. So he's down there. He's rehabbing. I still, like I said, he is uh, not, uh, waiver eligible. So uh, Urson, I assume, goes down and then Sonsmer's back up because they have to deal with that. Um, you know, Urson will probably be here in time. I always felt like he was the one that was kind of earmarked, you know, to mm-hmm. to tandem with Hart or to ultimately uh, overthrow Hart. But, you know, <laughs> a lot of people talking about this, and I just don't think it's a conversation for, for right now. This is uh, one for down the line a little bit. If he continues to play well in the AHL this year and maybe sees... NHL action when they ultimately run Carter Hart into the ground like they do every year. Yeah. Yep. You know, maybe he comes back up and looks good. But for the time being, it's it's a good story. It's good to see. But I don't think there's a whole lot worth talking about here at this point in terms of, you know, the, mm-hmm. the goaltending battle yet. Yeah, it's just too early to, uh, to, to, mm-hmm. to make a scene out of that. Very true. But the other thing is everybody keeps harping on player development, player development, player development. Well, he's best served, I'm talking Urson is better served, I think, being in the American League for the for the duration of the season. Yes. And I'll say why. Because he's going to be playing the bulk of the games. 
You don't want this guy playing every, you know, four starts behind Carter Hart, getting cold. That's not going to help him develop. He needs to be playing, you know, sometimes the AHL does like, you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Yeah, like three games in a row where that guy can play two of those three games and like every week consistently play a couple times a week. He'll be the guy, he'll be the starter. And then at least, you know, in your back pocket, you've got him for next season as a backup. If you want him to be. The other thing is you've got other characters down in Lehigh, Forrester, Desnoyers, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What about their development? They need to have a competent goaltender yes. in net too. Yep. Like otherwise they're just going to be kind of stuck spinning their wheels on a floundering, uselessly high Valley team. And that doesn't serve the organization. It doesn't serve the players. It doesn't help anybody. So I do think that Urson will go down because he's not only waiver exempt, but he needs to play. They need to start really running them and just seeing what he can do. He he missed a lot of games due to injury last year. So let's let let's see what he could do. Give him the ball, let him run with it in Lehigh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you probably do is Hart and Sonstrom finish the season with the Flyers and as Dan mentioned if there's an injury, Urson comes back up to spot start. Uh Urson continues in the AHL and then the offseason comes and you're probably looking at if Urson shines Maybe you look at a Hart Urson type of pair for next year, or you know we'll see what happens. But I think those are the three that we're talking about, and I don't necessarily think that you know bringing in some vet goalie is going to be in the cards anytime soon for this team, given the presence of those three guys. Five six. Well, he's uh, seventh in the AHL in save percentage right now. Um, he's been very good down there, and, and you know, as I said, the last couple of weeks without him have been uh, brutal. Um, with Pat Nagel and uh, Nolan Mayer down there. But, yeah, uh, you know, 9-10 save percentage, 272 goals against in the year. A whole bunch of wins. Basically, every win they have is uh, his responsibility. Um, he, he's been very, very good. And, yeah, I would assume the name of the game is development here. Missed all but five games last year. Two of those were, you know, he came out early because they kept re-aggravating the injury. But, yeah, he's very good. Um, I, I do like what I see out of him. But, uh, you know, as I said earlier, it's... Not a uh, not an issue for for this season. And then fair is fair. You also want to see what Felix Sandstrom's got. I do wish they would give him more of an opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know he's been playing very like I said two games since since American Thanksgiving. Um, you know the end of November. You know, played more and, and see what he's got. And, you know the record's not great, but I, I think he's been decent enough on a really shit team. Um, so I, I would give him, you know, more reps as well as we go down here and not run Carter Hart into the ground when you're, you know, 20 points out of a playoff spot. But, uh, you know, it's the Flyers way after all. Well, and don't forget that the rumor was he was going to go back to Sweden. He resigned here. And I'm sure that there was a little bit of a discussion of, don't worry, we're going to, we're going to give you some, some reps here. We're going to give you a shot. And if he's just going to go back to the American league, I really don't see why. And and listen, on this show, we all said, if I'm him, I wouldn't p- pick Philadelphia. Yeah. And you know what? Next next year, as a free agent, I'm not I'm not resigning here. I'd rather go back to Europe or or go somewhere else where they'll at least give you a shake. I wonder what the money is like for a goaltender over in like one of the Swedish leagues, one of the European leagues. That's not the KHL. And the KHL. T- 
tends to pay relatively well, not NHL caliber, but well. So I'm wondering, like, if he comes to, like, the Flyers on, like, a backup role to make 750K, is that is that comparable to being, like, a starter in one of the other European leagues? I don't know. Hmm. Let's see. Here. Maybe it's not all about that, but if it's, like, a difference of, like, you know, several hundred thousand dollars, I could see him potentially sticking over here to just just try to cash in as a backup for as long as he can. Top know, players kind of a... in the SHL made just around two mil in Swedish Kororor per year. That's pre-tax. That'd be around 250K American. So not much. Okay, so no. Yeah, so he's making three X as a backup here at least. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that could be That could be part of the motivation too, is to try to cash in. But uh, yeah, I mean, from a playing playing point, I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, why would you want to be here and play? Yeah. Like once every five, five to eight games. It's just I don't know why you'd sign up for that when you're when Sandstrom could be a starter elsewhere. But maybe he does it for a couple of years and start in, in Europe. You know, he I would least, if I the only was starts him. he gets on, you know, the second half of a back to back when the team is tired and then he gets pelted and everyone blames yeah. him for the mistakes. Yeah. That's basically what he's been been fed this year. Yeah. yeah. And how could you resist, you know, playing with uh, with an all-star like a Kevin Hayes or or like a Travis Konechny who probably should have been an all-star, <laughs> uh, given the numbers here? <laughs> who made that decision? <laughs> so I did a lot of research into this, and um, I found a couple different sources, and it was a little bit inconsistent. NHL.com said that NHL.com staff and writers and editors are on a committee that makes the decision on the 28 skaters and four goaltenders. Then Sportsnet said that the initial rosters are made by the league's department of hockey ops. And then the athletics said the same thing that usually hockey ops consult with teams on selections, but this year it didn't sound as if they solicited the usual input. So <laughs> I, even if it is some, faceless hockey ops department in the NHL. When are they making these selections? Cause I'm going to give you guys some stats here on, on, on Hayes versus Travis Konechny. So, so Kevin Hayes is obviously the worst player on the all-star team. Um, <laughs> and he has 35 points, which is tied for 57th in the league right now. His 10 goals rank tied for 114th in the league. <laughs> now, I'm not a huge Travis Konechny fan, but he is pretty much having a career year. TK is tied for 16th in the league with 20 goals. 40 points ties him for 30th in the league. And, you know, while points certainly aren't everything, you do have a player that's in the upper tier of the league here and another guy in Hayes who's 57th and 114th. It was just a healthy scratch <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. It was also healthy scratched multiple times by his coach. It's just, it is so, so grossly off base. I mean, I can't remember a more lopsided and dumb selection that we've seen from, from the flyers in, in all my years of paying attention. <laughs> so the NHL actually picked these players. Yeah. There's some hockey ops department that, I don't know who's involved, but they allegedly picked the players. Now, in years past, the Athletic reported that they typically will consult with the team. Now, maybe they did that with the Flyers, and they said, hey, we're trying to trade this guy later. You know, we want him as our all-star to market him. 
I don't know if that occurred, but it sounds like it could have occurred here. Because there was a video that the Sabres put out uh, when Tage Thompson got announced. They brought him into a room with Kevin Adams and whoever the other head coach is these days. And they're like, oh, you know, what do you think you're here for? You know, he's like, oh, I don't know, am I in trouble? And he goes, oh, no, you're our all-star selection. Like, we picked you. So, like, I, so I, I don't know who, you know, that's why I asked. I don't know who made that decision. I don't know what it came down to. But it, it, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Hayes has probably been their second player in terms of points. Um, you know, I know he and Konechny have kind of run away with the points race mm-hmm. at this point. But uh, I don't know. Listen, I'm no Travis Konechny fan. That's, that's no secret. But, um I don't know. He, he seemed like the uh, fairly obvious choice, unless it's Chuck Fletcher going, hey, we got to fucking trade this fucking Kevin A's guy this summer. Make him an all-star. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. I can't understand it unless it was made, unless these decisions are made back in November. At that point, you know, uh, TK was, was closer with Hayes in terms of point production. Yeah. And, and maybe Hayes was ahead of him at that point. And also the team was on was on a 10-game losing streak. You chose their highest scoring player on a 10-game losing streak. And that was the basis to put him on an all-star <laughs> team. It just there's nothing about this that adds up other than corruption. It's the only explanation. <laughs> so I'm I'm looking at the rosters here for the Atlantic and the Metro. And it's pretty obvious that the league basically took one player from every team and just started out that way. So we've got every team in the Metro, every team in the Atlantic, every division, every team's represented. But I think that the league really has to think about what this game actually is and what it's supposed to be. What does me- being an all-star mean? Well, it nothing. Should That's be, the problem. Yeah, that is the problem. Like, it's an all-star game. It By being named as an all-star... That means you are by proxy one of the best players in the league that season. So when you're sitting there and you're looking, like I'm looking at the Atlantic division. So Mitch Marner, and listen, full marks, Mitch Marner totally deserves to be an all-star. He is having an all-star season. There's no question about it. He had a 20-something game point streak. The guy deserves to be there. But in truth, the Toronto Maple Leafs are a good team. And you're not going to have an all-star game without Austin Matthews. You're not going to have an all-star game without uh, Willie Nylander's having a really good year. So why are we filling up these, you know, rosters with, and it's not a slight to Kevin Hayes, but it's, is Kevin Hayes an all-star? Is he worthy of being named an all-star? The answer is no, he's not. Like they're giving every team a a participation medal by sending a guy. And in truth, the Boston Bruins should have at least four guys at this (laughs) all-star game. The Leafs should have like three Tampa should have a couple. And like speaking of Tampa, so they got Kucherov. And by the way, looking at these, at these rosters, where are the defensemen? I see Linus Allmark. Again, really good season on the Boston Bruins. I got Igor Shesterkin as the goalie for the Metro. And then they've got three spots left. Who's playing defense? Is this a three-on-three tournament? Uh, it might be. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah okay, three so on three now. But again, if you're a defenseman in the NHL, if you're Adam Fox, 
Yeah, Adam Fox. Eric Carlson, <laughs> you're sitting there going, uh, I'm not an all-star? Like, what, what What? do I have to do to be named an all-star? Am I That's not totally mindless. Year? Yeah, I, I agree. It, no it's just defenseman. It's like having uh, it's like, oh, we need to get, you know, representative from each team like it's a member of Congress or something. It's, it's like <laughs> it's like it's like, no, you don't need to have that. And I can understand. I think back in 2016, they made some, you know, some rule that they have to have at least one player from every team. Um, and we've already kind of debunked that with TK here. But it still doesn't make any sense, Manny, because, yeah, I mean, there's examples ever. We look at a guy like a um, um, that Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, was left off off of the all-star team this year. He Here's some stats on Dreisaitl so far this year. Ranks 10th in goals in the NHL, 4th in assists, 2nd in points, 60 points, 60, and the season's not even half over yet. <laughs> he's tied in, he's tied for 1st in power play goals w- with McDavid and 2nd in power play points with 29, and, has, and he's 1st with 8 game-winning goals. Guess how many game-winning goals Hayes has? Zero. <laughs> it's like I so see the they East doesn't have a single but... defenseman. No, and the Central <laughs> Central Division has three. three. Yeah, Seth Jones, Josh Morrissey, Seth Jones. and and Kale McCarr. So they're loaded up with defensemen. Eric Seth Jones, God, in, uh, Pacific, terrible but... year. <laughs> Seth Jones was the best player they could pluck off of the Blackhawks this year. Jesus. And truthfully, Chicago shouldn't have any. They're right. tanking. That's probably They're true. Awful. They're awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, we got we got to do it for the kids, though. The kids love the the, the All Star Weekend. This isn't even a real game. This is embarrassing. Even if it is for the kids, they don't care. You know, like when I was, I don't know, like an eight year old, I used to watch the NHL All Star Game and. Sure, it was great that we had a bunch of flyers on it and stuff, but I was interested in just stars just scoring goals and stuff. Like, I didn't care that, you know, if some rando defenseman made it <laughs> or something from my team. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it was like, oh, I don't think the equivalent of uh, of Kevin Hayes was back in the 90s, but, like, <laughs> I would not give a shit about that. It's, yeah, it's just it's just really bizarre. It's actually kind of insulting to a lot of other players here, and which is pretty much why, uh, why John Tortorella totally dismissed the All-Star game when he was asked about it the other day and uh he said something to the effect of i don't give a shit i don't even watch anything that weekend <laughs> yeah and i mean i don't i don't either for what it's worth uh, it has never interested me um any year and this year it's just you know it's a goddamn parody of itself at this point and yeah i don't know it's you know some hey maybe connecting gets i think they have a fan vote left for like one or two more spots um, for yes. each division, so maybe Connecting gets voted in, but probably not if it's the entire uh, division at stake. I'm sure there's, you know, more, uh, you know, United fan bases out there that'll have their guy in. But yeah, so what mm-hmm. a fucking crazy scene here. But now that the World Juniors are over, I wanted to get it, uh, this in this episode here. You know, we uh, talked about this with uh, with Anthony uh, over on Flyers ED, the most recent episode, and he still says that uh, all Chucky Two trades is gonna meet his end. In January, but it begs the question: Now that the Flyers are winning some games, do they actually fire this guy? And this has been—you know—I've always been of the uh, "I'll see it when I believe it" uh, belief when it comes to this thing over the last, you know, little while here. And if you didn't fire him during a ten-game losing streak in early December, what are the chances they part with this guy during a win streak here in January? It's already January sixth. I don't know. Do we? Uh, 
do we think that timeline is still good for Fletcher if they're winning games? They're not going to they win what two more games in a row and then oh now fly <laughs> now we're going to fire Chuck Fletcher after a six game win streak. Like I don't think that's going to happen, my guy. I think we're stuck with this guy a little longer because this shithead of a fucking team is going out there and winning games when they're not supposed to. They're not just fucking up their draft positioning; they're fucking up the goddamn guillotine that Chuck Fletcher's supposed to be on. My throat could not handle that. I got a cough. You continue to talk. <laughs> well, my opinion on the on the issue hasn't changed. I maintain that I think that Chuck is going to be here uh, for the foreseeable future, and I think that the way that the team has played as of late Ugh. just reinforces that. I think that the front office, and I mean Chuck is the front office. We've been over this a million times. Nobody in that in that organization is making that decision to fire Chuck Fletcher, except Dave Scott. That's it. Nobody else has the authority to do it. And um, I just don't see that happening because, as we mentioned earlier in the show, the team has been accomplishing virtually everything they said they were going to do. They've done so far. The team does look dramatically different on a game to game basis this year, especially as of late, as compared to prior seasons. They're in games. They're winning games. They're playing hard. They seem to be much more detail oriented than they've been in the past. Um, they just came off of their best West Coast road trip they've had in years. I think all of that momentum lends itself to the idea that Chuck is going to be here, that things are on the up and up. Things are working out as he as they wanted to work out. Give the guy some more time to see what he can do with the trade deadline. And this is going to continue to go on and on. That's how I see the situation, you know. In contrast, if this team was on a on another on a second 10 game losing streak, maybe, maybe I could see the organization and Dave Scott saying, all right, we need to make a, a change midseason here. But in my opinion, I just don't see it happening. Uh, I, could, I think a change will happen, but I don't think it's the change that everybody wants. And I think everybody wants Chuck Fletcher to be shown the door, tarred and feathered. And given his marching papers. And quite frankly, I don't see anybody in that front office who has the guts and the big meaty clackers to actually show him the door. The what? Definitely not on the <laughs> hockey ops side. Maybe on the business side, but not on the hockey ops side. I think that it's much more likely that if they really want to give Danny Breer the reins, if that's in fact the guy that's going to be and put in charge. I think that he's going to stay as president. I don't see anybody having the nerve to actually tell this guy that he's done a terrible job. They're at 50 contracts still, oh, which is insane. Yeah. Which is, which they're at the cap. <laughs> like also they, insane. Yeah. They're in the bottom, you know, six, seven in the league. They shouldn't be in this position at all. And I don't care about a four game winning streak. The season is lost, and I know uh, it's not lost. They're building things here. Okay, excuses. When when you go into, we've talked about this on the show before. What Mike, it was your question. What are the parameters for a general manager to get fired? There are none. And he is judge, jury, and executioner. He's mm -hmm. the president and the GM. So unless Dave Scott comes down off of his ivory tower and actually <laughs> does something, well – Unfortunately, he's we're stuck with them. And and something tells me that they're just going to, you know, remove the, you know, the GM off of his name and they're going to give it to, you know, probably Danny Briere. And I mean, what does that mean? If you fire Chuck Fletcher, then that means you're firing Brent Flair. Cuz apparently they're part and parcel, they're yes. a tandem. 
So you're going to go into perhaps the most important draft in the franchise's certainly recent history. And you're going to go without your, you know, head scout, uh, the guy in charge of scouting, the guy in charge of player development and the draft. Okay. That doesn't sound like a great plan either. So the easiest thing is to just let's, let's keep Chuck. You appease the, the old guard, the people that stuck up for Chuck Fletcher. And well, the fire is, is not burning quite so hot right now because the flyers have won four games in a row. And even fans on Twitter aren't, you know, up in arms, still yelling about firing the guy that's calmed down quite a bit in the last week. Yep. And then here's the next question though. Let's say that, this does happen at some point during the season. There is a shift. There's not a firing. Chuck removed. Chuck is removed from the general manager role, stays as team president, and, and Danny comes in as GM. What at this point would be the trigger for that? And then following up on that, how does the team explain the timing of such? You know, like, <laughs> oh, we've been planning this. We've been planning this for years now to have Danny as a GM, you know, February 2nd of 20. Like, yep. why? Yep. Like, what is the trigger going to be to make that happen? And I think that it's just a slingshot approach where this all should have happened, happened a year, two, three years ago, essentially. And at this point, they've waited so damn long. It's so obvious something should have happened. They're trying to play some game of catch up and rearrange their deck chairs so everybody thinks it's okay. Uh, I just don't know what the trigger would be for them to do that at this point, given the current state of the team. It's a solid point. I mean, you already had a 10-game losing streak this year. <laughs> you know, are you going to wait for their fifth losing streak of a uh, major proportion in the last year and a half and go, okay, this is the one where you're fired? You know, is that is that what they're waiting for now? You know, and th- I was... Last year. Yeah, uh, I just... Mm-hmm. This is always the thing about that report, you know, and when Anthony said, oh, you know, I still expect it in January. I'm like, you know, I, it just... I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. You know, unless it's one of those... Random Dave Scott, he just wakes up one day and makes the decision. But, you know, as Mike alluded to, if you're planning on coronating Briere at this date, at this time, you know, and it's premeditated to to part with him down the line at some point, like, what are we doing anyway? And, and, and Manny kind of already alluded to my next question, which is, do they even fucking get rid of Fletcher entirely? He's probably, like, I think the most likely outcome right now is he's retained as president and Fletcher and, uh, and uh, Briere has just moved up to GM. Well, in that, and if that's the case, what does that solve? You know, it, yeah. it's just it doesn't do anything. It's it's a lateral move at absolute best, and the guy causing the problems is still here. I, I just and, I, I, I I have no idea. And I could even see them if they want to try to get away with that uh, maneuver. I could see him trying to do that in the offseason. Maybe you could say, you know, we've doing organizational, you know, reflecting on where we're at and we want to try something different. Fine. I could see that maybe in the offseason. It still is bullshit, but maybe the offseason they get away with it. But to do it in the middle of the season, yeah. at some point over the next couple of months, how on earth you would have to have a press conference if you did that, of course. What on earth would be the explanation? As to why it is done mid-season. <laughs> There's nothing that I can think of. The performance of the team can't be used as a reason right now. Right? 
There would need <laughs> to be another there? like substantial losing streak to blame it on the yes, team. Substantial, yes, a, like a complete nosedive. Yeah, a, a second ten game flat out losing streak. You know, um, fights in the locker room, all sorts of stuff like that going on. Uh, that would be the only way that I could potentially see them doing it and justifying it at a press conference. There's no other way to talk around. You know, make up some family tragedy or something. They're gonna do that shit. <laughs> That's the only other thing I could think of. You know, Fletcher had a family tragedy, so he needs to step out of the day-to-day role and assume um, a more executive role as team president, and, and Danny's going to be GM. Like, that's the only thing I can think of because a team performance isn't going to dictate a change in those roles at this moment, middle of the season. No, and, and I don't know. I, I, I just, I cannot believe it happens sometimes. I just can't do it. Uh, I think at the off, it's probably the off season at this point, you know, the trade deadline is early March, you know, maybe shit goes sideways between now and then, and they have kind of a, a natural trigger to, to get rid of him, but I don't feel it. I don't, especially with the wins. The wins, I think, you know, I, I think people don't like Chuck Fletcher and would still be happy if he's gone, but there's no pressure anymore. Not like there was this time last month when the, you know, losing streak concluded. It, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like this guy's seat is hot, even in the fucking slightest at this point. And, you know, I don't know if Flair would go right away, you know, he did not go right away in Minnesota. He did stick around for a little bit um, before Fenton was brought, and then he ultimately left. But, uh, you know, maybe you could hold on to Fletcher till a little later and then let Flair see the draft and then kind of, you know, figure out what you do beyond that. But, yeah, I don't know. I, if you're retaining Fletcher anyway, none of this matters. You know, it's just... You know, but if you get rid of Fletcher, who even fills the presidency? You know, there's just so many fucking shitty layers in this bean dip at this point, and, and no answers for fucking any of it. It's just every every conceivable path doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense. But we also have to factor in that it is the Philadelphia Flyers. We could very well wake up Monday morning and go, Fletcher's fired. You know, he's still president, no longer Briere. We wanted Briere in. Like, it's just like, completely, you know, no real reason behind it. That's always a possibility as well. But yeah, I. I don't know. I, I don't know how they uh, how they proceed with this. Um, they really work themselves. Who the hell would think it would be so goddamn difficult to fire a goddamn general manager? How did they work themselves into a point where you can't fire somebody properly? There is one more option. What if we're all assuming that it's Chuck Fletcher that's going to get fired? What if a little bit of the reporting that's out there is correct, that there is going to be a change... But everybody's automatically assuming that it's going to be Chuck Fletcher. What if it's not? What if the change is they are promoting Danny Briere to general manager of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms? Because I was researching and I wrote a piece about Danny Briere being the next GM. Should be coming out soon, brotherlypuck.com. Um, every GM that was a player that ended up being a GM full-time in the NHL, all of them that I looked at, the current ones, all of them except Steve Iserman and Kevin Adams have been assistant general managers in charge of the AHL affiliate of their respective teams. And right now, if you go on Lehigh Valley Phantoms website, it just says Chuck Fletcher, general manager. Philadelphia Flyers. It doesn't actually say, you know, this is the person in charge overall of the Phantoms roster. And 
something tells me that if you promote, you know, assistant general manager, Danny Briere, his forte would be scouting player development and the draft. Cause he's got an eye for talent. Cause he's a player and he knows what he's looking for, but that's Brent Flair's job. And you can't have that overlap because you're stepping on Brent Flair's toes now. Mm-hmm. So why not just promote Danny to, Hey, you're in charge of the Lehigh Valley phantoms. We're not changing Brent, uh, Brent Flair's title. He's still the guy in charge of scouting the draft and player development, but Danny, you're in charge of the Lehigh Valley phantoms, or is that still stepping on Brent Flair's toes? I don't know. It's a great point, Manny. And I think that they should do that. And I don't think they've, as far as I know, the Flyers general manager, whether that's been Fletcher or Hextall or any of the predecessors have always also been the general manager of the AHL affiliate. They've never had a standalone GM of that organization and other teams throughout the rest of the league. In fact, most of the successful ones have a separate role, whether it's one of the assistant general managers, the NHL or some other defined thing that is the GM of the AHL affiliate. And I think that leads to why the development has been so atrocious and why there's been so much confusion across the organization because the general manager of the flyers wears too many fucking hats. Like the guy's the GM of multiple teams at once and both organizations suffer because of it. So yeah, I think that would be great if they throw Danny and say, look, you need to be the GM of the phantoms for at least a year or two or longer to get some experience at that level. So you can move that into an NHL role. Absolutely. I think that makes sense. And I think it also explains a lot of deficiencies. It really does. It's honestly, I think it's fucking ridiculous that Chuck Fletcher with all the things he has to do also has to worry about the fucking phantoms right now. It's absurd. Well, based on the phantoms, I don't think he worries too much about that team at all. They've been yeah. a miserable <laughs> shit stain for years now. Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I can't imagine they do that. I don't think that would uh, go over well at all. Uh, you know, demoting. It wouldn't be what people Breer. are looking for. Hey, but yeah. I think it's the right. I think it's a great move. I mean, I would. Be I mean, if you want to develop Briere as your GM, it'd probably be the way to go about it. But I don't think that. Why, did, <laughs> why didn't they do it? Uh, you know, like last year or something. They made him some special special assistant, assistant to the GM, yeah. whose job is to you know get coffee for Chuck Fletcher. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, why didn't they just do it last year? I mean. He was the general manager of the Maine Mariners, was an ECHL affiliate or something like, so why not allow him to take a natural next step to the AHL level? Why? Why would you not allow that? It it, it, it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, I'm glad you brought this up, man. This is a very, very good and uh, very germane topic, you know, with what we're talking about in the front office now, and it exposes a lot of deficiencies. And I think you could be right. It could be an announcement, but it's not going to quench the thirst for what people are looking for. That's the thing. Does anybody have any faith in Breer anyway as GM? Whether or not Chuck Fletcher is here, just this guy yeah, as GM, like does he, does he, yeah. you know, does your junk wiggle even a little bit thinking about Breer as general manager? No. Not me. No way. No. Yeah, I would say no as well. The thing is, is that with his lack of experience and not being an assistant somewhere and in charge of the AHL team. Like, how much of a voice can he really have in that boardroom when they talk about players, 
when they talk about who should be coming up, when they talk about what the plan is for next year, when they talk about trades and the trade deadline, like how much are you really going to listen to him? If he was at least in charge of Lehigh Valley, he would tell you, hey, I know what Forrester can do. Hey, I know what, you know, name the player. Wisdom. Gives us some credibility for recommendations. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. It gives him a little bit more responsibility where he gets to actually coherently talk about these players and what they can do. And I don't know, like, I think fans have this, he, listen, he's a fan favorite like Iserman was, but he's not Steve Iserman. Like Iserman was as, uh, you know, working as he was, I think it was a president, vice president and director of hockey operations they selected him to pick the double IHF world championship team for Canada, the world championships. They selected him to pick the 2010 Olympic hockey team. So he had international experience to draw upon before getting his general manager gig in Tampa, you know, like that, that was the experience that he had and he was successful both times. He got gold in the world championship and he got gold in 2010. So he selected his teams. He obviously knew what he was doing. He got promoted because Ken Holland didn't want to give up his GM job in Detroit. So he said, screw you. I'm going to Tampa. Tampa gave me a job done. He didn't have to be an assistant GM. That's not Danny. Danny has not been in charge of a Spangler cup team, you know, a world junior, nothing. He hasn't been in charge of anything other than that main Mariner squad, which was a Boston Bruins affiliate. Yep. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't understand how he's going to be in charge of the Philadelphia flyers and everything related to the flyers. Yeah. And the current state of the organization is about as rocky as you could possibly imagine. This is not, Can you throw this is a, not taking a more over tumultuous time for a rookie GM to come in. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like this is an historically great team right now that has, they're on a great run with, you know, a Sidney Crosby leading the way in his prime. And it's a, a very simple transition or on the alternative, even a team that, you know, maybe rebuilding that has some great pieces, you know, it's not either of those situations. It's an extremely difficult arena that Danny Briere or any new GM would be in right now to dig out of the mess that has been created here. Um, I want to run this by you guys, too, you know, on this topic. I've heard some discussions um, over the airwaves about uh, if Chuck Fletcher is removed entirely, who a potential replacement would be. And the name Ray Shero has come up a little bit as obviously a guy who's had some success in this league. Um, obviously, very close ties to the Flyers, somebody that the fans would really get behind, given his father was the best coach in franchise history, won cups. Uh, and he has some experience with the Penguins winning, built a lot of what you're seeing with the Devils right now in terms of their young foundational players. Um, as far as I know, he's not employed anywhere, and if he is, it's in a you know senior advisor type of role. But he might be the kind of guy that you know perhaps if you are to clean house, you bring in a guy like a Ray Shero as as your president uh, and let him kind of control the dominoes. What do you guys say? He was one of the people I highlighted. Um... And my the uh, piece I wrote for really a few weeks ago about looking at general manager replacements, kind of who would uh, supersede Fletcher, and he was one of the guys that I looked at. And you know the the historical ties are there. Um, you know he did do some decent work with the Devils and stuff in his past, but yeah, I, I would assume he would be on the radar because he, he's there. 
But, you know, would he come in and step up as president and uh, the team? Who knows? You know, I have no idea what their replacement for president would look like if Fletcher's gone entirely. Um, he's currently the senior advisor with the Minnesota Wild. Okay, so that's um, a throwaway a type of role. Key in building the Penguins 2009, uh, Stanley Cup, loose ties with the Flyers. Um, so it's possible. You know, I have no idea if they get rid of president, uh, if they get rid of Fletcher entirely, um, who would take over as president? You know, does Paul Holmgren come, you know, out of retirement and take over That's that role? That's the thing. <laughs> you know. It's complete nonsense. Or, you know, move Lombardi over this this shithead Dean Lombardi. Mm-hmm. You know, just, I have no idea. And again, it begs the question of, that's the path of least resistance is moving Fletcher to, well, keeping Fletcher as president and just moving Breer to GM. Mm. And it's why that seems like the most likely outcome. And, you know, doesn't do a, and the real killer for me. And the real killer in all this, like we had mentioned, you know, probably a month or two ago, is if you are going to bring in a new GM, anybody but Chuck Fletcher, that person has to have the ability to choose their general manager. I'm sorry, bring in a new president, anybody but Chuck Fletcher. A new president is going to have to have the ability to choose their GM. You can't just say, oh, become president. By the way, we're forcing you to choose Danny Breer, who has zero experience as a general manager, and you're responsible for him. There's no way anyone is going to assume that role in president. The president's going to want their own GM. The GM's going to want their own coaching staff. The coaching staff is going to want their own roster. And all of a sudden, right back at square one. Starts from the top. Like, (laughs) you can't can't piecemeal this from the bottom up, which is what they've tried to do at every level. Front office, roster, the whole fucking thing is piecemealed ass backwards. (laughs) Congratulations, sir. You are now president of the Philadelphia Flyers. By the way, you have no input on trades. You have no input on the coaching staff. Staff, No input on a general manager. And by the way, you need to ask Doris at the front desk for the bathroom key. And make sure you spray, you double flush, and make sure that you spray some Febreze in there when you're done. Okay? Be courteous. Other people, Mr. Scott needs to use that bathroom. He doesn't like it when other people use that bathroom. That's exactly uh. it. I mean, you're completely right. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll uh, call it a uh, day here, over an hour in. So, um, let's see what was going up. Uh, Shane on Monday. I think we'll, we'll get Anthony back sometime next week. Maybe we'll actually watch a Flyers game at some point. Unlikely, but we'll see. Um, at the Flyer fan at Brotherly Puck at Brotherly underscore pod. Plenty of shit up on the website, brotherlypuck.com. Check that out. And uh, Manny, where can people find you on Twitter? At Manny Benavidez and, of course, BrotherlyPuck.com. Check out that uh, If Briere Becomes the GM kind of article that should be going up uh, sometime soon. Mike. You can find me on Twitter at Flyer underscore AF. I will see you there. All right, everyone. Until next time, goodbye and good night.